following program is brought to you in living color on dailygazette.com or wherever you get your podcast. The Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Shot. Thank you, Scott Keezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. Did you like that little opening there with the NBC Peacock theme? It was something uh, when I was uh, first covering Union College Hockey, uh, the first go-around, when I was hosting the College Hockey segment on uh, Roger Wilder's Big Board Sports Talk when it was on uh, Fox Sports 980, I would use the uh, NBC theme that the following program has brought you in living color, and then the uh, voiceover guy would come on Fox Sports 980. So I'm trying to see what it sounds like, and uh, if you like it, great. If not, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll drop it. But let's have a little fun with this because we're going to have a fun show here. Our first uh, segment will be with uh, Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press, Mark Ketchester of ESPN Radio, the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio, both, of course, uh, Capital Region natives. We have our NBA roundtable like we like to do every time when the NBA All-Star Game comes up. We spend a lot of time talking about the NBA All-Star Game, talking about the league, talking about food. <laughs> That's about maybe the first five, seven minutes of the, of the uh, first segment uh, that we did. Uh, we did two segments with... Uh, uh, Mark and Tim, it was a lot of fun. Hope you get a ch- I hope you enjoy it, and then uh, we'll, you know, hopefully, if you want to comment on it, you can do so at email at shot at dailygazette.com. Then we'll preview the Union College Hockey Weekend for the men and women. Uh, both teams playing Princeton and Quinnipiac. The men will be at Quinnipiac on Friday and at Princeton Saturday. The women hosting Princeton on Friday and Quinnipiac Saturday. It's the final home games of the regular season for. Uh, the Union women's team, they'll start the ECAC hockey tournament uh, play next weekend on the road. Uh, on the men's side, I talked with uh, Ben Tupker, uh, Chad Smedrud, and Liam Robertson. And for the uh, women, it was head coach Josh Skiba and seniors Meredith Killian and Celeste Bowden. So that'll be coming up after the uh, NBA roundtable. So stick around. Uh, Tim Reynolds, Mark Ketcher are coming up on our NBA roundtable. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. School sports are played by humans, coached by humans, and officiated by humans. So the next time you're sitting in the stands at a school athletic event, please remember this and maintain your humanity, especially when it comes to judging and critiquing athletes, coaches, and officials. Please show your fellow humans some respect. They'll appreciate your empathy. This message presented by NISFA and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Want to get all the latest news from the Daily Gazette on your phone or tablet? We have an app for that. The Daily Gazette app allows you to read all the newspaper stories and columns from our dedicated team of journalists. The app is free. You can download the app from the Apple or Google App Stores. Hi, this is Daily Gazette reporter Ted Remsnyder. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. It's NBA All-Star Weekend this coming weekend. The game is on Sunday. Of course, uh, all the activities start Friday, and the two men will be out there for the NBA All-Star Game. Mark Ketchester on the ESPN radio call and Tim Reynolds from the Associated Press. We have our NBA roundtable here. With uh, I'm glad Tim was able to make it uh, this time, Mark, because unfortunately he, he thought of Miami Heat game was more important than joining us early in the season. Well, 
I'm just glad he's back with us because the ratings took a sharp dip. So we're going to go way up again. I could feel it, Tim. I could feel it. And I, you know, there's a reason why I don't do television at all, and it's because I'm generally referred to as box office poison. So, <laughs> never. Never. An old, Norm, an old Norm McDonald line about something. I can't remember what it was, but I saw a clip of it recently, and I was like, you know what? That's me. I'm box office poison. <laughs> I love it. Now I just got to figure out if we're going to get you to Baba Corollas or St. Elmo's. We got to figure out something. I know we're so, busy, but we got to figure out something. So I, I'm... Uh, oh, Harry and Izzy's is on the list. I do like Harry and Izzy's too, right and, next door. Yeah. But I, I am getting to St. Elmo's at, at some point because, little known fact, we've already lost Ken, by the way. Little <laughs> known fact. Um, I'm just listening. I, 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 I have a problem uh -oh. with horseradish. I love oh. it too much. Oh, and we have the opposite the, problem, yeah. For those of you who know St. Elmo's, it's really quite something when it comes to the, let's just say, the ferociousness of the cocktail yep. sauce. Yep. So, so I accept the St. Elmo's challenge, but well, I've, I've got to get that but, one. Now. But will you be singing the John Parr song when you walk in? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm also music poison. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> I, I am not a uh, shrimp, uh, neither cocktail sauce guy, but I do enjoy sitting at a table and just watching nasal passages open <laughs> in gaping fashion. People just get their breathing back mm -hmm. when they get to uh, St. Elmo's and have a nice little uh, cocktail sauce there. Yeah. I mean, I'm not throwing shade at anybody, but if you had a, if, if Jeff Van Gundy had himself a St. Elmo shrimp cocktail, he would have the dulcet sounds of a Mark Kestisher in about 30 seconds. I love it. Are we, we going to talk basketball here or what? For just food? No. No, no. It's a food podcast. What are you talking about? Who cares about the all well, let's let's talk a little bit about that. But anyway, it's 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 a good uh, the All Star Game is going old school. It's going back to the East West format. What do you guys think of that? We think Tim. Well, um. They had to do something, you know, I'm, I, it, it, again, look, I, I, I don't love that it's been a glorified layup contest. I thought the first year with the target score, particularly with the significance behind it, that they were doing it, that they tacked 24 points on for Kobe Bryant. Um, that game in Chicago was incredible, was an incredible finish. I mean, guys fighting, clawing. I mean, arms were arms were literally getting torn up with with fingernail. I mean, guys were playing like it was game seven. And then I think everyone decided that's not a great idea. So it turned into, you know, a glorified layup drill the last couple of years. And look, as long as the fans see what they want to see, what do we care if Steph's throwing Giannis a 65-foot alley-oop off a bounce? Like, you know, it's the all-star game. Um the days of Pete Rose mowing somebody over, you know, to win a to win an All Star game are, are are over with. But but the league is very very aware of the league is very perception aware at all times. The ratings for last year's game were abysmal, and it's not because of the talent because a lot of the talent was there. Now some people may have turned it off because a lot of the guys got hurt. LeBron got hurt. Um, you know, I, I remember right. Mark helped me out. Jokic didn't play much. Steph didn't play. 
it, it was okay. That might have hurt the ratings, but it didn't it didn't crush the ratings? People want to see a game, so the NBA is like, you know what? We're going to make sure it's a game this year. So I'm, I'm all for going back to the old way. I think people understand it more. Um, but Adam Silver, Joe Dumars, the NBA higher ups, they want to make sure that this game gives the appearance at least of being competitive. And they think going back to four quarters, not changing the scoreboard after every quarter, 12 minute, a real game. They think that's, they think that'll do the trick. I don't think it will matter much, but I think it's a, I think it's a move in the right direction. I I will add this, that that is the exact reasons that Tim gave. Those are the real reasons. I will add two that nobody cares about one we're going to be in Indianapolis. I do think people care about some of the ABA history. I mean, there is, a faction of folks who loved the ABA. If you were in it, uh, there was a lot of success in Indianapolis uh, in the ABA. So I think some nods to that are pretty cool. I think the uniform designs, there's a little nod to that. Some of the color schemes as well. The one that nobody cares about is I, I just went through my charts from last year's game in Salt Lake City and completely blocked out that I didn't know who was going to play on which team. You know, five minutes before the game started. And then my charts made no sense. They looked like Howard Johnson's. There were yellow scribbles and blue scribbles, depending on which team you were playing for. And uh, so from my standpoint, as a guy who has to call the game, uh, to just have East and West, I know my rosters. I know my numbers. Again, nobody cares. But I think, uh, to me alone, uh, I'm looking forward to getting back to the old school method. The, the live draft was an absolute, was a disaster. And, and also, yeah. nobody cares who wins or who loses. But but it, show the game some respect. I mean, coaches yes. couldn't figure out until just before tip-off. For those that aren't really fully getting what we're saying, for the last five years before last year, the captains, the leading vote-getters, it was LeBron and then always Giannis or Steph from the other side, they would go on TNT or whatever it was and choose their rosters. And last year they did it just before the game, if you remember right, the coaches had no idea. They had two sets of uniforms for everybody. Nobody could figure out you know, what their rotations were. It was chaos. And it was very disrespectful, I thought, to the game. And also, to those of us trying to figure out who's going to be on what team, you literally didn't know until like the layup line just before warm-up. So going back to this, it's going to resemble basketball. And Mark will say this. I'm not, I'm not knocking any other fan base in the league. Because I think we have some we have some wonderful fan bases, obviously, in just about every, probably every NBA city. But there's something different about Indiana. There's yeah. something very special about the fan base in Indianapolis. I think the collective IQ of the Indiana Pacers fan base might be second to none. It's at, it's at minimum top five in the NBA. They want to see basketball. They don't want to see a version of it. They want to see the game. So I think it's absolutely right. Mark's absolutely right to to pay tribute to the city that's meant so much to this game, both in the ABA and the NBA history. Let's go back and do it the right way. Well, they plan. Yeah. Let me ask you: They're going to plan to honor the late George McGinnis, who was really the really the backbone of the Indiana Pacers in the ABA days before he joined the Philadelphia 76ers. Tim, I haven't seen um, you know some of the tribute stuff, but I have to imagine you know, especially uh, with that being so fresh. Um, that yes, there's going to be a lot. I mean, Slick Leonard also was a uh, storied Indiana Pacer. You know, whether it was executive or broadcaster or player, I, I think there'll there'll be a lot of nods to that more so than just 
you know, the look and the uniforms and the city and the state, as you said, it goes beyond professional ranks, college, high school, low level high school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I, I'm not privy to it. I don't know if you are, Tim, yet. Uh, oh, a little bit. And, and there will be some tributes. Guys, it wouldn't surprise me if at some point somewhere over the course of the weekend to go just to, to follow along with what Mark was saying. It's a celebration of basketball in Indiana, not just Indianapolis. It wouldn't shock me at all if somewhere along the way for those 96 hours or so that we're in Indianapolis, that someone pays a bit of a tribute to General Robert Montgomery Knight as well. I mean, it would not shock me whatsoever. Um, There's there's even even, just to put this in perspective, the Hoosier gym, if you remember, if you watch the movie Hoosiers, the gym is in a town called Knightstown. Indiana, about an hour outside of Indianapolis. I'm actually going to it on Monday before I fly home. There are events there. Like people from Indianapolis, some people who are going to Indianapolis for All-Star Weekend are also making the pilgrimage down to see the gym. Looks a little different now, but the, the idea is the same. To celebrate that movie, that great Gene Hackman movie, Hoosiers. Some people are making the trip down there over the course of the weekend because they just want to feel more of that Indiana basketball experience. So, yeah, I think there will be many, many nods to the past because it is, it is a pretty respectful fan base. And I think people, I, I think people want to in, in, want to feel as much of Indiana basketball as they can squeeze in over the few days of that visit out there this weekend. Well, I know Mark, I asked you back in December after the NBA in-season tournament concluded about it. I'll ask Tim, what, what were your thoughts about the in-season tournament? I mean, was it a success? Uh, what changes did they need to make to make it better, or, or is it okay? There's a couple of things. I mean, obviously, they've made one change already. It's no longer the in-season tournament. It's the Emirates NBA Cup, uh, well, uh, <laughs> which got announced last week. Exactly. Um, so there's that. You know, I, I, I thought players really liked it. I thought everybody seemed to enjoy the crazy court color schemes. Um I think a subtle tweak that that is going to come at some point. I, I think you're going to see a slight change to the schedule. Um, I think at some point they're going to try to get away from football, but I th- entirely. But I think in the short term, going up against what was it? Was it was it the on the Saturday of the championship game? Was there NFL also that night? There was NFL on Sunday, NFL but I, Sunday, I but there was Saturday also, was clear. Heisman, Heisman, the Heisman. 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 That's right. It was so there was some college stuff. Obviously, the Heisman had top billing. One thing I would definitely look into is maybe either pushing it up to like a Wednesday, Friday in Vegas, or maybe even like a Friday, Monday in Vegas. Let's keep the weekend clear for football. You're still in football season. One of the reasons to have this tournament is to try to build a little momentum before the traditional viewing starts in, on Christmas. Let's not go up against the Heisman. Let's not do it. So I think a little tweak there is probably what's coming. But all in all, I think people generally enjoyed it. Um, I would like to see them also just just play just play four division games. Play the teams in your division. I, I didn't like the way the schedule worked out where some teams are playing each other five times. The Knicks were going to lose a home game before one just got taken away from Detroit and given to New York so they could have 41 home games. Make these part of the division schedule. 
don't do this convoluted system of, okay, you're going to play this team and now you're going to go play a crossover with this. Just make them part of the division schedule is what I would do. That Those are my two little tweaks. I was not thrilled with the 76ers. It was blood red more than anything else. <laughs> I remember being there uh, in person and I was like, ah. Yeah, on television, it is hard. It was intense even just being there, you know, live and trying to call a game off it. But I I think they'll dial it down just a little bit. Uh, But I think Tim's right. I think that was part of, um, you know, the acceptance of it. They really were looking at, you know, probably nine to 15 year old kids, you know, who are going to get into this. And, and yet it took a bigger swath of age group than I think anyone anticipated. And, and the players bought in, you know, that was probably the biggest uh, reason, you know, that it was as successful as it turned out to be, you know, and to have the Lakers, you know, in the uh, final four in Vegas and to have them eventually win. It certainly didn't hurt either. But, um, uh, yeah, I'm sure there'll be little changes here and there. Tim detailed all the uh, the big ones. I think we talked, you know, months back about um, how they do the tiebreakers, you know, just they'll, they'll, I'm sure they've been ever since we left Las Vegas. Uh, there have been summits probably at least once a week and uh, potentials being passed, passed back and forth. Yeah, uh, I, I think also, too, when you looked at those color courts, you talked about the jarring of the red in Philly. The first time I saw the one in Miami, also predominantly red, guys, I thought I was at the Section 2 wrestling championships <laughs> at, at Times Union Center or whatever, MVP uh, Arena, MVP, whatever it's called. It's now. MVP Arena now. <laughs> MVP Arena, my guy. It, it, it's, it's like, it, it is. It was jarring, but it looked good on TV. And look, I, I, largely it worked. I was somewhat skeptical at first. I'm, I'm a believer now, but I, you know, the NBA will tweak because that's what the NBA loves to do. They they are professional tweakers. Yeah. But it is not going anywhere. That's yeah. that's the key summation. I remember Rick Carlisle. Uh, we talked to him in Las Vegas that weekend at least twice, I think, for pregame interviews. And uh, you know, with his status, certainly with the coaches' association and. You know, probably, you know, having some knowledge on the new broadcast, you know, mega agreement that's going to be, you know, coming down in the next year, that this was definitely a big piece. I don't want to say they stumbled into because, you know, the commissioner's been calling for it for years and they waited a number of years to ramp it up and then and then get it into reality this year. I think they see that as, you know, something multiple networks could bid on in the future, uh, you know, moving forward. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll talk more about the NBA, uh, look at what's going on this season with uh, Mark Hesseser and Tim Reynolds. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast. If you really want to know what's going on in your community, you have to read the Daily Gazette. We don't take a side. We're right down the middle and we're going to get to the truth. Our reporters and photographers are out in the field bringing you updates every minute with trust, accuracy, and integrity from the first page to the last page, independent, probing journalism. We're finding out what's going on in the community where nobody else is covering. It's who we are. It's what we do. Hi, this is Daily Gazette reporter Shenandoah Breer. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast, uh, segment two of our NBA roundtable with uh, Mark Ketchester of ESPN Radio and Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press. Guys, uh, 
let's look at the season. I mean, the Western Conference to me is surprising to see the teams who are on top. New Orleans leading the Southwest Division. Minnesota and Oklahoma City jockeying for that first place spot in the Northwest. Maybe the Clippers are not as uh, surprising leading the West. And Orlando in the uh, Eastern Conference leading the Southeast Division. I mean, what's, what's surprised you the most so far this season? Let's start with Mark. I think um, the fact that Minnesota and Oklahoma City, because not they don't surprise me the success they're having, but that it's sustained. I thought perhaps we'd see some fall off. Um, remember, it's not a true half season. We're almost two thirds in yeah. most people's seasons. And now we're going to have a sprint as soon as everyone leaves Indianapolis. So I thought with Denver and with the Clippers after the first month of the season, they've been as good as any team in the NBA. I thought perhaps by the time we got to Indy, uh, Minnesota and the Thunder wouldn't be occupying one and two. And, you know, we'll see what the final standings are after Thursday's games heading to Indy. Uh, in the East, Cleveland and the Knicks, I think, are, to me, uh, the big surprises, especially Cleveland as well as they've played. Um, Milwaukee and Philly have had much more drama than I anticipated. And the Celtics have been the best team in basketball. Um, are they without flaw? No. Uh, but they've been terrific this year. And at times, I think, Tim, I was – down in Miami uh, that one particular Thursday that I ran into you. And that was about as good of a professional basketball team for 48 minutes. And I think I'd seen at any point this year. Yeah. Boston, um, Boston has proven that they are the best team. I think in the regular season, Um, the, the, the bench is going to be an issue. I mean, everybody, everybody has at least one problem. Boston's is it's bench. They're not particularly deep. If something happens to Porzingis, can he get through a full season? If something happens to him, I think they're in big, big trouble. I also think they're going to have to deal at some point with, you know, the reality that they've been pretty close a couple of times and didn't get it done. And I think they're going to start feeling that again when it gets real. I mean, they're not going to face a whole lot of pressure the rest of the way. They're going to be the one seed. They're probably going to be the overall one seed. But at some point, they're going to be down 2-1 in a series or – you know, 3-0 in a series like they were last year against Miami. And I do think when they get into playoff mode and people start reminding them all the time that they lost a game seven at home when they had a chance for a historic comeback, I think that's going to be a thing for Boston. But to get to more to Ken's question, what's what surprised me, obviously Mark hit it on the head, the, that, that Oklahoma City has not blinked. Um, they play with enormous confidence for basically a college team. And that's what they are age-wise, or what college teams used to be, anyway. Um, you know, Minnesota has has been very good most of the year. The Clippers figured it out. I think it was kind of crazy that people were writing them off in November when they lost five in a row after the trade. I think you're seeing similar thing. You're seeing Milwaukee start to look like Milwaukee a little bit now. Um, I mean, they went one and four after hiring Doc, and of course, you go through a big change. You know, it doesn't always look right. You know, r- right away. Um, I think Orlando um, is a team that people might not want to see in round one because they're kind of like OKC in a lot in a lot of ways. A young superstar or superstar to be in Paolo Bancaro, good coach, good depth. They they have no pressure on them, no burden of expectation. This could be a year where we see a team that we expected to go deep like the Warriors or the Lakers, miss everything, miss it entirely, 
and possibly a year where we see a team that nobody thought of coming into the year. Thunder, Magic. Um, I think people were high on the Wolves or higher than – it wouldn't have shocked people to say, hey, the Wolves are going to be good this year. People wouldn't have been shocked by that. But this could be something where, where an OKC or an Orlando makes a run. I, I think right now Boston is the best regular season team. But I'm sorry. I look at the Los Angeles Clippers – and as of today, I'm saying who is going to beat that team four times? Not with the way they're playing defense. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, they've, they've figured it out. Ty Lue's a champion. They've lost like, what, 10 games in three months? It's going to be an incredible playoffs because nobody knows what's going to happen. But I'll say, except Mark Kessler. But I'll say, <laughs> I'll say two words about the Clippers. James Harden disappears in the playoffs. This is a different James Harden, though. I, I really believe, I want to believe it, Ken. I do. I think this is a different James Harden because I think he has accepted the fact that he is at best the number two and some nights even the number four option for that team. I think he's comfortable in that space for whatever reason. I think maybe the light has gone on with him. And it's, I don't want to say it's underreported. I just think it's West Coast. It's not the Lakers. But I don't think enough people realize what Kawhi Leonard has done this year, how much he has played, how healthy he is, um, and how vital he's been uh, to how they've played. As, as uh, Tim just mentioned, they might have lost 10 games you know, since the middle of, of November. It's been remarkable, and he's been forgotten because of his injuries and of load management and everything else that went on over the last few years. They've been terrific. And he makes it look easy. He looks like he's in second gear. Yeah. That, that's the thing. This is peak Kawhi we're starting to see again. And he, he's doing it in 31, 32 minutes. He's getting to his spots. Ty Lue is so, so bleeping smart. It's crazy. Um, mm. They are the team that you, 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 you want to see everyone go into the play. If everyone right now goes into the playoffs healthy, if everyone gets all their guys, if everyone's full go, the team that I say nobody's lo- nobody's beating four times out of seven is the Clippers. That's that's who I would say right I, now. I, I think I agree with you. Absolutely. I re- I mean, if not for the start they had, we'd be at the break, you know, singing their praises even higher. Um, it, it's been a remarkable season so far, and they've got terrific talent, and they're just, for whatever reason, under the radar just a little bit. Maybe it is the personalities of the guys, of Paul George and of Kawhi Leonard and of James Harden that sometimes – get in the way of this greatness where, you know, most people don't know Shea Gilgis Alexander or they don't know Jalen Williams. And so Oklahoma City's this thing off in the horizon in the heartland that's a great story. And you you kind of, you know, glob onto that and you're not so willing to do it with the Clippers. But I, I agree with you 100%. Hey, look, Ty Lu knew what he was doing. If they had won two more games out of the first 55, <laughs> he'd be going to All-Star Weekend as the coach of the Western Conference. That man is playing chess, my friend. That's right. Everyone else was playing checkers. He, That's right. he did just enough to get this weekend off. <laughs> Smart man. And the, and the last thing Doc Rivers was thinking about when he was negotiating $40 million for three-plus years was, oh, crap, the Celtics aren't eligible to, to man the All-Star game. That's falling to me. First, first prize, $40 million. Second prize, $40 million. And the weekend in Indianapolis in mid-February. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of Doc Rivers, that was, to me the, the shocking news this season was seeing uh, Adrian Griffin, who had the Bucks in first place in the Central, get fired. Can anybody explain why that was the case? 
Tim, I, I, I was going to say, I, I all I know is I, you know, I, I spend at least two or sometimes three, four days a week with PJ Carlissimo, who coached Adrian at Seton Hall, and he doesn't have any answers for me. Like nobody knows what's going on. You know, obviously there was some personality issues. I think we can, you know, look at all the different red flags that started early in the season with the dismissal of Terry Stotts and you know, the, the complete lack of defense and bringing in Damian Lillard. I mean, it just seemed so combustible yet. I don't remember the record, Tim. Was it 33 and 10 or 30 and 13? 30 and 13. 30 and 13. I know I've been in many coaches' offices since that firing. I think Eric Spolstra was the first guy that I saw. I think that was the night or the day before or two days before, uh, before that Celtics uh, heat game down in Miami. And I remember he just looked at PJ and was just like, is this what we're doing now? We're firing 30 and 13 guys. Oh, he would love it because he just got eight years for 120 million. So if you want to fire <laughs> Spo, right. you go right ahead. It, it sort of rem- it sort of reminded me, you know, Tim, you being a Phillies fan like I am. You know, 1983, the Phillies were in first place. They fired Pat Corrales because the record wasn't that great. They were like a game over 500, but still, you're in first place and you can fire the manager. It's like it just it didn't mean it just reeked of something wrong. It's look. When you are paying one player $260 million over five years, that player, if, if, he, if he prefers Jordan Almonds to raw whole almonds on the flight, Jordan Almonds he shall have. And we'll just leave it there. We'll let people <laughs> yeah. draw their own conclusions. I mean, 30, 30 and 13 might get you fired from two jobs. Uh, coach of the Milwaukee Bucks and coach of Shen football. That's about it. Those are the only two jobs you can go 30 and 13 and get whacked. Yeah. Um, it, it just doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. But then again, it's the NBA and it makes perfect sense in the prism of nothing makes sense in the NBA. How much are the Sixers going to miss Joel and Joel Embiid? Well, they've been awful. So a lot, um, Obviously, they hope to get him back. Um, I do think it's an under, I think it's an underrated, low key move to bring in Kyle Lowry. I, I look, people will laugh and people will scoff. Kyle's 37 and he's not what he once was. Great. Okay. He's a winner. Um, he was so good in the heat locker room, he was so good with young guys. It's an important piece. You need a guy like that. It reunites him with Nick Nurse. And yes, people are going to say Kyle got his money, so who cares? Kyle gave up bird rights for this summer to go reunite with Nick Nurse. That's a big deal because that's the last time he's ever going to have him. You know, if, if any team wanted to throw a sizable contract at Kyle Lowry this summer, he might have just given that opportunity away. And look, he's made hundred, you know, a couple hundred million dollars in this. Life. No one's going to weep for Kyle Lowry's contract next season. But him choosing to go home, to go back to Philadelphia, to go back to where he played at Villanova, where he's from, so proud to be the kid from North Philly. Um, if they can get anything out of Joel Embiid, if they can get him back, obviously they're going to be a huge problem. They're going to be a, a huge problem. And also, guys, it's the East. Like Even if Joel Embiid isn't like super-duper right for the first round, do you think Philly's got, even if they have Joel Embiid at 50%, do you think they're going to fear Cleveland? Do you think they're going to fear, you know, Miami? Do you think they're going to fear 
I mean, New York even like, no, like just throw it to Joel Embiid and let him, let him overpower people. Even at half speed, let him work his way back in. I think if they get him back, Philly is, Philly is very much formidable in, in the East. Um, this is scary though. This is several times with the same knee with a guy with knee problems. So I don't care about MVP. I don't care about scoring title. I just want to see a healthy Joel Embiid. And from a personal standpoint, I want to see Joel Embiid um, with me in Paris this summer at the Olympic <laughs> <Yeah>. Games. <laughs> um, I don't know if the Sixers are going to be like, yeah, we're cool with that. After you're going through another year of knee problems, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I just We just want to see him healthy because he was doing stuff this year that we just haven't seen from a big guy. Yeah. I mean, none of us saw Will. Yeah. None of us saw Will play. Well, you might have, but none of none, no. none, no normal people saw Will play. So it's it, it's a sad thing. I hope they get him back. I just want everybody to be healthy going into the playoffs because this 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 playoffs, like I said in the last segment, these playoffs could be ridiculous because literally anyone, and I truly believe that anyone that gets out of the play in and gets onto the bracket can win. I think it's that kind of year, and I think that's going to lead to some awesome series. Yeah, and if there's a uh, if there's any small silver lining, you know, where has Joel broken down all these years? You know, so much use and tired, not 100%. Maybe, maybe, if he can get healthy, and if the timing of this surgery, you know, lends him to some ramp up into the playoffs, we know it's a whole different season. If you can go the distance, uh, you're looking at, what, two months, two-plus months? You know, if we went to a seventh game in the NBA Finals, it's a long road. So maybe rehab, rest, uh, you know, he comes back. And, uh, you know, it's an opportunity for Tyrese Maxey to get all the spotlight right now with uh, some of the depth they're bringing in that you guys just discussed. You know, perhaps a, a, just a, a small silver lining that if he has enough time to get ready – as uh, Tim mentioned, um, it, it feels like it's anybody's uh, NBA championship this year. Yeah. What about the Knicks? I, I, I mean, did we get a little in far in front of ourselves after uh, the trade deadline day? Maybe. You know, I'd like the acquisitions they pick up. The biggest, and I love the way Brunson has played, obviously, but I think the biggest story for them coming into All Star break is just the unknowns of all the injuries to key players. I mean, we still don't really know, uh, you know, who Julius Randle's timeline is. And, you know, I was thrilled when I saw them make the trade for Ananobi from Toronto. And, you know, that turned out, you know, to be a huge defensive plus, which ironically they kept going even when he wasn't playing with the elbow injury. But I just think, you know, all those uh, injuries, I don't want to say little injuries because they're not small, um, you know, leaving some question marks. But if they can all get together and health is obviously the the main component to anything when we're looking forward into this stuff uh, i do love what they've done i love where they're positioned beyond this season with all their draft capital and um you know after everyone's been banging on that team for its lack of success and even making the playoffs for the last two decades uh, if you're a knicks fan you got to be happy where they are right now yeah it, it, it's become though a bit of a punchline like what tibbs does with minutes and I know they've been shorthanded, particularly of late. But I think they went the whole third quarter Monday night without making a sub or something crazy mm-hmm. like that. And then you saw DiVincenzo hurt the hamstring. And look, you can hurt the hamstring in the first minute of a game. You can hurt it in the 48th minute of a game. It doesn't necessarily mean overuse. But there is this history. Will Tibbs run his guys down too far where they can't rev it up? 
for the playoffs. There, there's going to be the NBA player. Just most of them don't play 2000 minutes anymore. And, and remember Jalen Brunson had a long summer. Jalen Brunson played for team USA. So he did six or seven weeks in Las Vegas and then Abu Dhabi and then in Manila with team USA and had three weeks off before training camp, a Tom Thibodeau training camp. There's going to be a point where he hits a bit of a wall and Maybe he's already gone through it because he has played better. He had a, he had a stretch this year where he wasn't great. He's been phenomenal of late. Again, health is everything. I, I just hope Tibbs dials it down a little bit because it's about being your best for round one, game one. It's not about being your best for some throwaway game on March 3rd against Charlotte. Just is, you know, get in first then make sure you're right. And, you know, Tibbs is wired a certain way. And if they don't get great Julius Randle back, if they don't get great OG Ananobi back, if they don't get them back at 100%, they've got some serious depth issues. And, and Tibbs can't keep playing guys 40 minutes and think it's going to think it's gonna work out. It never does. Taj Gibson as your starting center is not going to get them to the finals? Well, <laughs> yes. If we're talking about the 2004 final. Oh, yeah, that's right. We don't have the time machine. I forgot. He will match up very well against Rasheed Wallace in the Eastern Conference Finals, <laughs> I think. Well played. The day, day we're taping this, Tim, you are in Orlando to see the retirement of Shaq, um, Shaquille O'Neal's number 32 jersey. It was 32, right? 32 here, yes. Yeah. Um, 33 in some other places, yeah. 32. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I, maybe the the young fans probably don't remember him playing for Orlando. I mean, they just maybe think of him as a Laker after winning those championships there. But his career got started there, and he had a, you know he got the Magic to the finals in '95 against Houston. They got swept, and but what was his impact in Orlando uh, for for a young franchise? Well, it I mean they they existed for three years before he got to Orlando. They were 106 games under 500. And then with Shaq, they went 41 and 41 his first year, lost the tiebreaker, should have gotten in, lost the tiebreaker. And they went 47, 35, and I think they won 50 and went to the finals, and then they won 60. Um, for the 47 win years when they went to the finals. Then they won 50, and then his last year they won 60. Um, then they couldn't pay him what he wanted, and off he went to the Lakers. But it, it he really made this franchise turn a corner. I mean, he told a great story about how and everybody flew charter. 35 years. I mean, everybody threw, flew commercial 35 years ago. Charter aircraft is still relatively new in the NBA. They were flying Southwest when he got here. And and I'm sure the people at Southwest did not like Shaquille saying the word Southwest as if it was a negative term 11 times during his press conference before. <laughs> but but it was, he, he just, he showed Orlando what's possible. And they took those four years and, you know, yeah, they, they have yet to win a championship. They went to the finals once without him. I mean, they've had really good players here. But Shaquille is a huge part of their legacy. He's a huge part of the Heat legacy. And he's only been there. He was only there for three and a half years. But without Shaquille, they don't win that first championship. And, you know, without Shaquille, this place still hasn't won one. But he made them, he made them dream big. He made them realize that you're not just here to exist. You're here to be great. And everything's gotten better. And it's not because of Shaquille, but they keep raising the bar out here. I mean, their practice facility, um, just you know, around the corner from the from the arena, their practice facility is the standard now in the NBA. I mean, they just 
every amenity they thought of. There's a grilling area, so fa- so players can have their families over. Like they've made it a very family friendly, very player first organization, and that sort of thinking started when they got Shaquille. Uh, that should be a, should be a fun night for you to cover, uh, gentlemen. I appreciate a few minutes. As always, we love doing this, uh, and maybe when we get to the playoffs, we'll we'll do this again. Always love being on with you, Ken. Always love bumping into Tim as well. So great time for us to get together for a few minutes and chop it up, as the kids like to say. And maybe hey, listen, me, I just go ahead. I just I just want to go to dinner <laughs> and listen to PJ Carlissimo educate us on the game of basketball and and when a San Marzano tomato is perfectly ripe and should be harvested to make the gravy that he that he adores so much. That is what th- these are why I cover this league. It's not because if not for this, I'd be covering a Siena team that's like four and three hundred. Yeah. No, but, no four hundred. Four and four hundred. Four and four hundred. <laughs> but they won the other night. We beat Manhattan. So I'm happy for Carm. Keep fighting, man. Keep fighting, Carm. I I, I I, I, if I don't if I don't see Kesty in, in Indianapolis, the trip the trip will be declared a disaster. I, I went lowbrow. I thought perhaps you wanted to hear PJ use the F word as a verb, as a noun, as no, an I, adjective. I, 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 I listen to ESPN Radio for that. That's fine. <laughs> we, we're, we're considering going to ESPN Radio Blue, but no one's taking me up on that. <laughs> ESPN after Radio After Dark. <laughs> That's that right. Stuff. The FCC uh, will put a kibosh on that. But at dinner, it's all there. Well, I will continue to work hard. To find out, I know your schedule is incredibly busy. We have it easy. We just work Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night. So we will uh, we will try to make it happen. I am hoping. Part, of, part I, of the problem is you tell PJ I want to go to dinner, and his response is always the same. Who? So, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just and, and, I'm, I'm just a mere writing hack. Oh no, he he knows who you are. He's been around me long enough. He knows. I yeah, I, I, I just want to see you guys post on social media the, the dinner. Okay, I, I mean tag me in it. I want yes. to see it. We, we, since we started the segment talking about dinner, and we're closing the segment talking about dinner. We got we got close last year at Walters. Literally, I mean, we were like one table apart. Different company, but we were literally close last year. We got, got to make to, it happen. I got to watch PJ last year. This year, I want to see. I actually want to be part of the show. That's right. You want to see a band when he starts calling those appetizers. It's it, you just stand at attention. It's like I haven't even looked at the menu yet, and he's asked for ten things, and the just chef's going to bring four more. Smile. And he's, yeah, I mean, PJ goes to steakhouses. They the carvers know him. It's unbelievable. It's, un, it's unbelievable. It's great. Wonderful. Thank you, boys. This was this was fun, and now I'm hungry, so I got it. All right, me too. That's Mark (laughs) Kester and Tim Reynolds, gentlemen. Thank you. We'll do it again soon. Take care, you guys. All right. Well, coming coming up, we're going to talk some union hockey, both the men and women playing this weekend. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast, and we're generous. I'm Daily Gazette news columnist Andrew Waite and host of the Weighing In podcast, which takes you inside my award-winning featured news column by offering the backstory, thought process, and interviews that inform my work. Plus, readers have their chance to respond. 
The Weighing In Podcast is available at dailygazette.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Union College men's hockey head coach Josh Hoji. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast, and now let's talk some college hockey. Uh, the Union men and Union women playing this weekend. The men are on the road. Uh, they go to a defending NCAA champion and uh, currently leading ECAC hockey Quinnipiac for a 7 p.m. game on Friday, and then uh, they go to Princeton on Saturday at 7 o'clock. And the women will face uh, Princeton at home at Messerink at 6 p.m. on Friday and then conclude the home schedule with the game against Quinnipiac at 3 p.m. on Saturday. Let's first talk about the men. Uh, the uh, Garner Chargers split the uh, games last week against Colgate and Cornell. Of course, you heard from uh, Union head coach Josh Halge on the uh, weekly segment he does with me on the Parting Shots podcast. It was, a, you know, like I said, a mixed bag for the uh, for the Garner Chargers. A nice win against Colgate. Liam Robertson gets the uh, first hat trick by a Union hockey player, a men's hockey player, since Spencer Food did it against Dartmouth on February 11th of 2017. That's a long time to go uh, between hat tricks. I mean, the women have had two hat tricks this season. Um, but uh, so, um, it, yeah, the game against the Quinnipiac is going to be interesting. I mean, Union lost 5 nothing earlier this season at Messering. Quinnipiac has won seven straight and are unbeaten against Union in the last eight. Uh, you know, last year's game at in Hamden, Connecticut was an 8 1 trouncing by Quinnipiac. Yeah, Union cannot afford to, you know, play passive. That's what they did against Cornell on Saturday and got burnt. By that, you know, down four nothing into the second period before uh, they, they finally got going, but then, but then it was too late. Uh, Quinnipiac, you can't do that, especially in their building. And I know, you know, they split the North Country trip um, last weekend, losing at St. Lawrence and winning at Clarkson. You know, they already lost more conference games this year than they did all of last year. With you know, three losses this year, they, those two other losses were on the uh, Colgate Cornell trip. But you know, Quinnipiac. It, it's it's going to be a tough go for Union. Uh, they got to start fast and they got to keep uh, attacking. And if they can do that, maybe they make a game of it or maybe pull off an upset. But uh, uh, I I envision them you know not uh, losing the Quinnipiac, but I think though they should be able to beat Princeton on Saturday and come away with three points. They're still in that hunt for the first round bye, just a point behind fourth place Clarkson. That's the final uh, first round bye spot uh, spot for the ECAC hockey tournament and their three back of third place Colgate. So let's hear from the players um, on Tuesday. They were at the media availability. It was uh, Ben Tupker, Chad Smedrud, and Liam Robertson. Guys, you're getting set to face uh, Quinnipiac on Friday. Uh, how important is it to go down there and bend and you know get get going from the get-go and not uh, sit back and give them too much respect? Yeah, I think all year we've uh, emphasized starting strong and um, you know putting a lot of emphasis on the first five to ten minutes. So um, you know Friday's no different. We want to take the uh, take the game to them right from the get-go. So yeah, that's the plan. Jazz? Yeah, the first 10 minutes are huge, especially on the road at QPAC. Uh, they have a good crowd there, so just getting ahead of it. Uh, getting pucks deep, getting to work, it'll be huge in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, we saw them, uh, what, early November? Um, December. Yeah. December, and uh, so we know what they're about, and obviously, like, we didn't have the greatest start on Saturday, but we're looking to bounce back again, and I think this is a good time for us, too. We're playing some of our best hockey right now, so I think we'll bounce back Friday. Ben, talk about the challenges Quinnipiac offers you just with all the talent they have up there in the lineup. 
Yeah, I think they're you know a deep, structured team uh, that play well within their system, so um, we know what to expect. But we've played a lot of good teams so far this year, and um, you know, like Liam said, I think we're just starting to um, hit our stride ourselves. So um, yeah, we're we're comfortable and excited to get going on Friday. Jazz, what's going to be the key to limit their chances? I think we just have to be layered in our structure, uh, all three three zones, and I think that'll slow them down. Is it, Liam, talk about just going to Quinnipiac. It's a tough environment against a very good team and keeping the emotions in check and staying disciplined. Yeah, I mean, uh, going on the road anywhere is not easy, especially going to uh, the reigning national champions arena. But uh, just keeping, like, staying calm for everybody, especially, like, helping the freshmen out who haven't been there yet and for the guys that have been there and know what they're about, we'll just let them know and help them along the way the whole time. And I think uh, it'll be that difficult, but uh, we're, we're up for a challenge. Are they a little bit vulnerable? Because I mean, they lost their two games on the, on the Central New York trip. They lost last Friday at St. Lawrence. I mean, you take, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the tape of the St. Lawrence game yet, but if you, if you have, what, what, what have you seen and what's going to be the key to, you know, can you apply what St. Lawrence did to them? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen any of it yet, but uh, I'm sure we're, throughout the, this whole week we're going to see a lot more of it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, nobody, everybody, we're able to beat anybody. Anybody can beat anybody at any time, and that's uh, has been shown through St. Lawrence recently and then a couple others, like you said earlier, and uh, I think uh, we could beat anybody at this point. And just uh, the conference standing points, too. You're still trying to get a first-round bye, and just is that kind of in the back of your minds each time you take the ice right now? Yeah, definitely. It has been all year. Uh, we want that bye, and with six games left, like every game's a playoff game at this point, so that's kind of how we're treating it. What would a victory mean down there? I mean, obviously you have to play Princeton on Saturday, but how important would be a victory going into Princeton? Going into Princeton? Yeah, after you beat, beat Quinnipiac, how important would that be, especially going into Princeton? Yeah, I mean, all, all these six games are huge, so points are hard to come by this late in the year, and, I mean, every point matters, so it'll be huge. As for the women, uh, no home ice for them in their first uh, ECAC hockey tournament uh, that they'll play, all 12 teams making the tournament for the first time. The men have had this uh, format since 2003. And Union was in contention for home ice. I mean, they were at 13 points in ninth place, not far out of uh, that final spot. Uh, you know, At one point, they were just a half point behind Brown and that for that uh, last home ice spot for the first round. But uh, a 10-game losing streak, eight of them in conference play, really shattered any chances of you know, competing for home ice in the ECAC Hockey Tournament first-round game. So the, the Union next weekend, don't know what day it is just yet, either Friday or Saturday. They uh, will be on the road. Uh, we'll know more about the uh, opponent after Saturday's afternoon's games are completed. So uh, you know, you know, watch uh, DailyGazette.com, and we'll get you that information. Um as I said at the top of this segment, uh, Union hosting Princeton, a team they tied down there. I mean, the Union's had some good success against Princeton, so it's possible. And they played uh, pretty well against Quinnipiac when they were down in Hamden. And last weekend, Union played well. They I mean they suffered a pair of uh, a three-two loss at Colgate, a three-one uh, loss at Cornell. Again, the guy Cornell, they were actually up one nothing in that one. Uh, but it, it just you wonder what it could have been for this team. I, I really thought this was. Yeah, they were, the way they were playing. I mean, they weren't getting blown out a lot of these games. I thought, yeah, this was team has a chance. Of, you know, getting in that eighth slot and getting home ice would, would have been a great story. But uh, we'll see what happens uh, this weekend and where Union ends up. Union right now in eleventh place. 
they still have a shot at finishing ninth. They have to have things, some things go their way. They can clinch 11th place uh, either with a win on Friday or a Harvard loss. Harvard right now is three and a half points uh, behind uh, Union. So, I mean, if Harvard loses on Friday, then uh, they'll finish last, and Union will be at least no worse than 11th. Uh, so on Tuesday, we had a chance to talk with head coach Josh Skiba and seniors uh, Celeste Bowden and Meredith Killian. The guys, uh, final home games of the regular season for you, Josh. Uh, what do you want to take out of this as you head to the uh, playoffs in the, uh, next weekend? Well, we want to take points first and foremost, obviously. We can finish anywhere 9th to 12th, and I think the higher in standings, obviously, is important for us, right? We want to finish um, 9th if we can, obviously. So, um, you know, we're going to be on the road there for that first weekend, but we want to take points. You know, we had a really good game against uh, Princeton. We actually played well against uh, QPAC last time. Um, you know, we're looking for, for more of the same. We want to take points. Um, and obviously, too, we want to continue to build. We had, a, we had a weekend last weekend against two top teams that thought our team played really well. Didn't see the result, but again, for us, it's always been trying to build for the playoff game. And I think we took a huge step forward last weekend as a team, and that's what we're trying to build on as well. How disappointing is it? Because, you know, this is a 10 game losing streak. You guys were in the hunt for home ice, and it just, you know, you know slipped by. What's so been, has it been disappointing about this uh, losing streak? Um, I think I think just honestly just the the results, but I think when you look at in terms of uh, perspective of what our team is is doing and how we're continuing to find ways to um, get better in a lot of different areas. I mean, right now we've I think we've given up about 30 less goals than we had at this point. Uh, you know, the last year I think we've given up maybe almost close to 300 shots less. Um, we're averaging, you know, more shots on goal. We're giving up less shots on goal. Like statistically, we're doing better and we're playing some really good hockey. I think. Um, the margin is really small for us, and I think sometimes when we've made mistakes, it's ended up in our net. But, um, again, I think last weekend we took a huge step forward. I think we were finding ways to put a lot of different things together. Uh, the energy, the execution was, was really good, and you could see we're in tight games with top opponents. So um, I think our group's capable of that, playing that every weekend. You know, And I know we've gone through a frustrating stretch in terms of some results, uh, but I appreciate the group stayed the course and just finding a way to believe in themselves. So um, I think we're ready for this weekend, and we'll certainly be ready for playoffs when they come around. Meredith, for you guys, and Celeste, your last home games this weekend, uh, What, reflecting upon uh, your career, what's it going to be like this weekend? Start with uh, Meredith. Um, I think it's going to be really special. All of us have our parents coming out, too, so we kind of get to celebrate our journey with them being here as well, but also we've watched the program change over the last four years, and being able to be a part of that has been something really special, and I think Getting that last weekend at home is going to be really cool to have with the senior class. Yeah, I think kind of like Meredith said, it's pretty bittersweet. I mean, it's been amazing being able to be a part of something so special, but obviously you're sad to leave the program. But I think looking to this weekend, it's definitely exciting um, to play our final games at home with our, our sisters, as they like to say. How frustrating has this skid been for you guys? I mean, it seems like the second year ago this has happened where you, you have a, a big win early and then it seems like things go downhill for them. What, what, what is, is there, can you find similarities or differences between last year and this year? I think 
naturally like the competitiveness of any athlete you know you have those moments of frustration but I think the difference between last year and this year is definitely the culture around it everyone here is determined to give better results and come every day to work to provide those better results so I think just coming in every day despite the frustration everyone's ready to work everyone's ready to put it behind them and start fresh the next day so I think that's definitely been a huge improvement this year. Meredith, how important is this weekend to, you know, if you get a win or get some points and improve your uh, positioning and, uh, and get ready for next week? Um, I think it's huge. I think last weekend, too, coming off of that, we played really well. We held both those teams until the last couple minutes and we're controlling the game. And I think that gave us a lot of confidence going into this weekend. And I think everybody's aware that it's our last game at home for the seniors. So everybody's kind of fixated on that and wanting to play for that. Um, but I think we have an opportunity to get some confidence going into playoffs, which is a situation we've never been in before. So I think getting a couple points is going to be huge this weekend. Celeste? Yeah, kind of like Meredith said, I think just continuing to prove ourselves, um, especially in the standings, we know that we can compete with any given team no matter what where they're ranked. So I think just continuing to show that to the rest of the league. And I also think kind of, again, like Meredith said, just grabbing points right before playoffs will be a huge boost for our team heading into a position that we've never been in before and are excited to be finally there. For all three, just your feedback on the playoffs being all 12 teams you know, for the first time and having knowing that you're going to have that at the end of the season. Uh, fantastic. I think it's been something that I think has been a long time coming for the women's side. Um, I think you know the athletes uh, in every team deserve that model. Um, it's been on the men's side for, for quite some time. Um, so I think it's fantastic. Everybody wants to play postseason competition. And I think with the parity in our league, um, it, it's, it's a fantastic format, right? One game format that um, anybody can beat anybody. And I think to us, that's something that's special. So I would love to see in the future. I'd love to see this first round be best of three as well. Yeah, I think just being here for four years and going through three years of not getting to experience that, like, I'm overwhelmed. I'm pumped. I can't wait to be able to be a part of this. And like Skeep said, to have that one game and have it kind of be a, you never know what's going to happen. It's going to be a tight, competitive game, especially in our league. So I'm just excited for the opportunity. Yeah, I think anytime you have the opportunity to extend your season and really play games that mean a lot more than just a regular season game, it's pretty exciting. So I think being able to finally have that opportunity is something that we're all looking forward to for sure. Josh, talk about the seniors. Uh, this is the final home games. Yeah, um, you know, we, we have a phrase that we say, build your house um, with our program. And I think um, when I look at this, this group, um, they've done a phenomenal job. I think you, you speak about legacy, you know, with the seniors and, and what they do and, and how they build their house. Um, I think they've added so much value to our program. I think culturally, I think what they've brought to the team, I think they've uh, improved so many different areas of our program that, um, you know, I don't have enough time to, to say enough words about what they've done for our program. So I think, you know, you've got two special ones right up here that um, care a ton about what we're doing. They, they've built our culture. They've, you know, they've made being a union women's hockey player cool, and I think that's something that's really special. And I think when they leave here, um, they should be really proud of, of what they've done there. I'll be back to wrap up the podcast and wrap up the uh, You Pick 'em football season with the final winners from the Super Bowl and the overall winners from this season. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast.
skill, physicality, home to college hockey's elite teams, coaches, and student athletes. ECAC Hockey, 12 programs competing at the highest level. A league where champions are born and world-class professionals are trained. Where history is abundant and a commitment to the cutting edge is unrivaled. The best facilities, the fiercest competition. ECAC Hockey, there's no experience like it. Hi, this is the College of St. Rose women's basketball head coach, Will Brown. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor, Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast. The Super Bowl 58 winner in the Daily Gazette's You Pick em Football contest was Ken March of Schenectady. He picked the Kansas City Chiefs to beat the San Francisco 49ers 25-23. He wasn't far off. The final was 25-22 in overtime for the Chiefs. Ken wins a $100 Hannaford gift card. Congratulations, Ken. The VIP winners were Nick Platel of Grand Premier Tires, Ed Fazone of Eddie F's Seafood Restaurant, John Keller of Katie O'Burns, John Goldie of Slider Sports Bar, and J.B. Webb of Image 360 Signs. The overall winner of the season was Pete Dominic of Latham, while the VIP winner was Scott Lucier of Capital Land GMC with a 204-134 record. I finished second with a 200 record. Considering how I started the season, that's, I'm impressed with my, myself. So uh, my Gazette colleague Adam Schinder finished sixth with a 187-151 mark. John Terry of Clifton Park was the Survivor Pool winner, and John Zozek of Schenectady was the second chance uh, Survivor Pool winner. Thanks to everyone who participated, and we look forward to doing this again next season. The NASCAR regular season is underway as the Daytona 500 will be run on Sunday. That means the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest is back. Pick the top five finishers, and you'll have a chance to win a $50 gift card. I'll announce the Auto Racing Contest winner's name, and that winner's name will appear in Saturday's Daily Gazette. Not Friday this year, but Saturday's Daily Gazette. To play, go to dailygazette.com and click on the Auto Racing Contest banner. Just because COVID-19 mandates are easing, that does not mean you should relax. Be vigilant. If you have not gotten vaccinated or received a booster shot, please do so. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family. And do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I want to thank Mark Kesheser, Tim Reynolds, Ben Tupker, Chaz Smedrew, Liam Robertson, Josh Skiba, Meredith Killian, and Celeste Bowden for being on the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on X and threads at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette Company. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette Company. I'm Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.